welcome to the Deja Review podcast, where a group of film lovers get together to discuss a cult or classic film that one or more of them has watched for the very first time. I'm Mike Cairns. As always, I'm joined by Kane Pogchop Daniel. Hi, I'm the titular lizard in DreamWorks Motion Pictures Rango. <laughs> And Seb Seabass Godfrey. Hi, I'm Lord Humongous, Lord of the Wasteland. And our guest, David Bowie. David Bowie. (laughs) No, we have no guest. Uh, No, it's just an OG episode. And for this one, we decided to go back all the way to 1981 and watch the Australian cult classic Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, which... I watched for the very first time, and I believe Kane watched for the very yeah, first never time. Seen it. But okay, this is this, this this is what gets me right. So you guys have not seen you haven't seen one Mad Max one or two. No, that like that's crazy. What? And I've only we're seen, doing, but we're doing Fury Road, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've Sorry, only seen we're doing Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> well, I've only seen a little bit of Kane. We don't need another hero in here. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen like. I don't know, the first half an hour of Beyond Thunderdome at your house. Um, so uh-huh. I haven't even seen that. Um, so I just saw Fury Road. To and... be honest, that's all you really need to see at Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not, it's definitely the weakest of, of the three, but it's crazy that you, like, I don't know, growing up as a kid, these were just staples. Well, this is why we household. do that, this show, right? There's, yeah. there's always these gaps in, in uh, yeah. your film history. And this yeah. is definitely one for me. So what do you. Uh, Kane, um, would you admonish yourself for such a gap now, that having seen it? Uh, I wouldn't. Um, I'm not going to, like, throw myself on the front of a <laughs> of a jerry-rigged, like, desert mobile uh, for not seeing it, but I'm glad it was filled in, for sure. I mean, are we getting to whether we liked it or well, not? Well, I don't know. I mean, so what's your yeah, history Yeah, what's, what's Seb's history with it? Oh man, I have grown up with this film. This is such a, a an integral part of me growing up, probably namely because of my old man. He actually directed a film in 1983 called Road Mongrel and in 1984 <laughs> called Road Mongrel 2, which was like a spoof of Mad Max. No and, shit. And oh, they are amazing. fucking amazing. We have to do these, by the way. We did, have to do Did all they all get them. theatrical releases? Oh, global. In by global, I mean that was the, the name of our local um, theater in, at our house. No. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> no, they they didn't. Right. It was it was like low budget. Oh, they were short films. You said no, like forty five minutes. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Not what you, you, what's the threat? I think the threshold is, is seventy minutes. Is it? Yeah, or seventy five. I don't know what you call a forty five minute. But yeah, these were because of the referencing. Call it a feature short. A feature short. And they they were just absolute piss takes of, of these films, and they relied heavily on these. I actually feature in the second. I was one. about to say, did yeah. you turn up as a baby in? I one did. Of them? Well, <laughs> well uh, probably a, a one and a half oh, year old yeah. that was in a bar drinking whiskey, and I get my hat blown off with a gun, <laughs> and then stick my finger up, flip the bird at Road Mongrel. <laughs> okay, well this you know, really you know, needs to. We're going to screenshot we it and put like it on the Instagram. It's like a circa 1930s euphemism for oral sex is getting your hat. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also. I only learned. Only I told someone this last night about road mongrel. I didn't realize a road mongrel is when you get a stiffy on a road trip. <laughs> Apparently, no, it's not. That's what. That's what it's someone nuts. told me. If you're in the car that's, and you get a cheeky no, little stiffy, that's, that's called a road mongrel. <laughs> Apparently, but hey, it. hey, by the by, 
<laughs> if you check our Instagram right now, we're going to put up a photo of me uh, sticking my finger up as a little still from this, from Road Mongrel. Maybe even a little snippet. <laughs> I thought you were going a really different <laughs> way with that. If you check our Instagram right now, it'll be... Nah. So this is deep in your... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so deep. <laughs> Sorry, when so when deep did in you my first psyche. see it? How old were you? Uh, probably definitely way too young. Too young to be. Um, I mean, I saw the second one before I saw the first one. The, the first Mad Max. I mean, you guys, I guess you haven't seen that yet. So uh, it's quite I, bleak. I, I remember, yeah, I remember slower. watching uh, maybe half of it at one point. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I know you guys are going to have beef with this. I still retain it's the greatest action film of all time. The original Mad Max? No, that the one we just watched, Mad Max Oh, Mad 2. Max 2. Okay. So yeah. the original Mad Max doesn't have any of the crazy dystopic stuff in it. It does. Right? It, it does. does, but it starts in sort of present, not present, but sort of the a la um, Escape from New York or something like that, where it's kind of present, but then it quickly rapidly uh, spirals into this post-apocalyptic, not... But, but, but that... But there's that, a bit of dystopic. The weird kind of... Uh, well, it's the bit, aesthetic isn't as, it, as established. No, it's not it? as established. It's yeah. kind of the early days of that. The The biker gang are more of a traditional biker gang led yeah. by this guy, the Toe Cutter, who returns in Fury Road as, as a Morton Joe. In Morton Joe, yeah. It's called yeah. Toe Cutter because he cuts off everybody's fingers. Uh, no, he has a nail salon. <laughs> um, so, but, so what you're saying is Mad Max 1 has far fewer arseless chaps? <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that as much when I was a kid. Uh, in oh my re-watching, god, there are a lot of arseless chaps in this movie. <laughs> Fucking rules! Oh yeah. my god, plenty, <laughs> Vernon Wells. Just uh, anyway, um, there's, there's plenty to talk about, but um, but the action, the action cannot be uh, like understated. It is, it is just awe-inspiring that all this in-camera stuff was done for for real. It was just they were doing it inside the camera. Inside the camera, <laughs> that's it. Where, yeah, I mean, hats off to Dean Semler and George Miller for pulling this off on such a t- teeny tiny little budget. I think yeah. the, mm. the first one was made for like 350000 which George just Miller made on from... weekends. Yeah. It was just shot on weekends. He was a doctor and he made it basically... George Miller was a doctor. Yeah, yeah he's a he's a, yeah, he's a, a physician. Man. And then, a and physician. then on, you know, his weekends off, he would go and shoot films. Yeah. And then like Mad Max was paid for. All the, the stuntmen and actors and all this were basically paid with a slab of beer. As their as their mm. payment for being in this film, and then you, and you look at more. the stunts that they had to do, which is like, yeah, your do you know life how this for... was funded? I don't know how this one was funded. Definitely had a much bigger. It was the biggest yeah. Australian budget film at the time to date. Uh-huh. To to that date, so it was production budget was in nineteen eighty one dollars, two million dollars, which is in five point five in today, oh, yeah. today dollars. It's a couple mm. of bucks. That's yeah. a couple of bucks. But seriously. They get every single penny out of that. Yeah. Like, George Miller's good at doing that. Yeah. You look at Fury Road as well. Like, there's just the... the that was $150 million. Yeah, but <laughs> you can see it on screen. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I was, Fury Road wasn't the... It's funny because I think people of a certain stripe, like, lost their minds over Fury Road, and it feels like the whole world was Fury Road for a while. But I remember seeing box office figures for it, and it, no, it, it wasn't, like, on... Yeah. It's just funny. I, I I felt like like in our bubble, mm. it was like it was the most successful film of all time. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. But 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 in the grand scheme of things, like it no. it didn't touch a Marvel movie or anything like that. No, no I think no. It, I think it sort of did sort of one and a half times. Yeah, um, uh, it was a success. But yeah, yeah like enough yeah. that they well, it's it's been caught up in. Uh, but you know what I mean? Lawyer, like it's yeah, an action movie for, for yeah, pretentious but... assholes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can see having watched this film how much Fury oh Road God. leans it's... on this, like the, especially the last half an hour of this film of, of The Road Warrior. 
it's it's pretty Fury Road. It's just a, the the big yeah, tanker. But even the, the callouts as well. Like there's the, there's um that moment when uh, Vernon Wells is escaping the compound and he jumps on that sort of like the swinging, bendy pole yeah. kind of thing and swings out. And then you're like, yes. oh, and there's all of that swiggy pole stuff in uh, in Fury Road. I and, had exactly the same thought. Yeah. Like, did Miller think, hey, there's something to these that's poles? That's a cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a cool. So shot. Vernon Wells is uh is he, Mohawk dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and. He was um, so an Australian actor. Um, he was uh, Bennett in Commando, the bad guy in Commando. Mm-hmm. Um, again, wearing sort of some fairly S and M kind of gear. yeah, definitely. Um, and then I looked, I looked at his. Um, he's had. A, he's still acting today. Yeah, one hundred and seventy three acting credits. Mm, Most of them for Power Rangers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he's pretty busy. He's in Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the bad leader of the cyborgs or some. Yeah, nonsense. I don't know. Like in the 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 stuff that they shoot. I- yeah. in America. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's uh, Inner Space is also one of his other credits, which what? I is one of my favorite childhood. Ones. Yeah, I would love to revisit that Inner Space. Yeah, yeah. So I don't good. think I've ever seen it. Power Rangers crossed over at a certain point, though, right? They ran out of Japanese shit and they started shooting the the kung fu. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was all still a Japanese sort of property, like Saban or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I thought that the, like the American one ran so long that they started shooting the um the karate chop em ups themselves. <laughs> they might have anyway. <laughs> Spice it up. Yeah. So, could, what what is like the premise of this movie? It just you know, so we can. All right. This this takes place probably a few years after the the original film. Mm. Uh, Mad Max is hardened man after his wife and child have been killed in the first one, um, and he's just off on this solo search. Apart from his little little bluey little uh, blue healer called Dog. As soon as Dog turned up, I was like, "You're going to die at some point in this movie, Dog." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're the man now, Dog. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, they go off on this little quest to do their. He's basically just looking for fuel and looking. Yeah, that's. Looking I mean, there's no, the there's no sort of particular, you know, like they're just surviving, and the survival no. is gasoline or gasoline, gasoline. Mm. Um, and so yeah. that's the, and that's what I really, and, and I mean, um, that's what I really sort of like about this film in that it is so. Apart from Max, but even not Max, like they're not wedded to any particular mm. character. Like yeah. as in people, like they're, everyone is expendable. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's sort of some sort of hopeful stuff, but then you just know that that's all going <laughs> to yeah, go pear totally. shape for them. Well, it, um, heading off to the surf coast, um, yeah, sunshine totally. coast. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, you know, they, these sort of characters that have gi- are given – you know, quite a bit of screen time are just taken out with, <laughs> with fear. You mm. know, just like click gone, um, which I really like because like, yeah. it because it is. It's like that. It's it is that idea of um, that no one is more of worth than anyone else. Um, yeah, but, and it, uh, it's kind of hang, it hangs its hat on being a what it follows the tropes of a usual western as well. It kind of has mm. that structure of being a, uh, a an outsider. Attacking a fort, the bad guys dressed in black, the good guys dressed in white. The, the, the wholesome, searchers or Shane, or yeah, something yeah. Like that. And these guys are wanting to steal what the good, whatever good is from this town. And then mm. the, the 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 lone ranger 
sort of the, the little yeah. out, outsider needs to come in and save them, who is a bit of a broken man and he kind of finds redemption <clears throat> through helping other people. Bit That's, of Kurosawa in it as Yeah, well. 100%. Sanjuro. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember any ball gags in Shane, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then and basically the... Yeah, so the... Um, and then there is this group of people who are, have basically found a, a, you know, or started oil, refining oil mm-hmm. um, and have built themselves a bit of a, um, a compound to protect it. And uh, their idea is to escape and head... 2,000 miles uh, away uh, to the surfer's paradise or the Gold, <laughs> yeah, the Gold Coast. Yeah, that made me laugh. Um, so, going to Grundy's. Yeah. Hollywood um, on the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, and yeah, and, and then there's, there's these there's, marauders. There's a, there's who a are, toothy, out, uh, toothy uh, partner. Toothy partner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of teeth and gums. Oh, the oh, gyro captain. Oh, yeah. Bruce, Bruce Spence. Bruce Spence. Yeah. He's... Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not great with Australian actors and, and whatnot. So is Bruce Spence like a... Um... Oh, he's been in lots of things. He's been, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Namely, uh, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, as the <laughs> <laughs> silverback hunter. That's a standout performance. <laughs> um, but then there's not a... a you know, a heap of other known. There's um, and I'm going to get this um, Kiel Nielsen, who is the humongous, and yes. he is, I think, just a Lord a, humongous. A, he's just a bodybuilder from like yeah, he's Sweden. A sweet, or he's a Swedish like bodybuilder, Lord humongous, um, yeah. Lord of the wasteland, yeah. and Voice, the Ayatollah of rock and roller. <laughs> yeah. Voiced by Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I was actually going to say voiced by Ren Hoke. Yeah, from Ren and Stimpy. He definitely had that vibe too. Yeah. So it was 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 uh, was was that voiced by somebody else? No, it was him. No, it was yeah, him. Yeah, it was yeah. him. Yeah. There was a there was a bit of a. a the original script had him cast as his name Goose, uh, the original character from the first film. Anthony which Daniels. <laughs> Anthony Daniels. <laughs> that would be a very different character. That's um, right, isn't it? Goose, Anthony Daniels. I don't know. No. Anthony. Oh, no. Anthony, Anthony Daniels is C3PO. That's C3PO. I thought you were making That would be a very different character. That's what I was thinking. Bring us the gasoline. He's a character from the first Mad Max. There was a... Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to make a goof on Goose from Top Gun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, is it yeah. ER? Daniel's someone. And, and, yeah, maybe it is Anthony. <laughs> anyway. Um, but one person I... Um, because you, you can't miss her. Um, and all she's just titled as Warrior Woman. Yeah. The big blonde yeah. um, with the most striking features. Her name is Virginia Hay. And I looked at her IMDb. And she's been in every Australian TV show awesome. in the last, like, Prisoner, Neighbours, Dolphin Cove, E Street, Home and Away, All Saints. Hmm. Like, I was just going through the list, and then I thought uh, she was in, like, a bunch of others, and then I was like, no Blue Heelers? <laughs> like, every there, there are Australian actors who've been on Blue Heelers, like, three different times as three different characters, and poor old Virginia Hay couldn't even get a look in. <laughs> She's been in on everything. I love that <laughs> shit. Like, when, when like, in Colombo, there's... Uh, uh, you know who's who's the guy from The Prisoner? Um, you know The Prisoner. Uh, oh, Pat, Patrick McGowan. Yeah, Patrick McGowan. I think yeah. Patrick McGowan <clears throat> played two. He definitely played two, maybe three murderers in Colombo. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, like, like there's not enough actors Law, in the yeah. world. That happens in Law and Order a lot. Just pop as yeah, well. Groucho glasses on them and yeah, little fake moustache. Yeah, right. I read somewhere that like uh, it was it was a real crushing blow to the New York acting industry. Uh, when Lauren Order stopped filming in New York, because it's kind of like most working actors could 
but rely on like the like <laughs> yep. uh when when does my law and order money come in because yep. they just need to like cast people so constantly yeah anyway. or or and the, the amount of actors who got their start being um a cadaver like a, you know yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lying for sure. there for, for a day um so yeah i mean this is uh, so that yeah oh, but um the 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 what was her name uh, Virginia Hay. She was in a Bond movie, right? I think she was, was Living Daylights. Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, she was in heaps of stuff. But uh, going back to, yeah, so $2 million budget made $24.6 million, which is, uh, which is what, $67.9 million in our, in our, mm. uh, yeah. our dollars, which is... How, how, how many? $67.9 million. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> I wish they had made just a little bit more. About 1.3? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why's that? Can we get the reference? What? I mean, oh, it's one point one. Your favorite number? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, the, uh, a number of other Australian classic uh, actors: Max Phipps, who is the man that gets his fingers cut off oh, by uh, the feral kids, scene. Boomerang. Great scene. Um, and you know what? My dad has the fingers and the hand, the prop from the movie, in a jar at home. <laughs> he bought it in an auction. Dad. Yeah. He bought it in an auction. I reckon. I, I reckon next time he shit. comes up. He should be on the podcast. Yeah. And I've met that dude, Max Pips. He died a few years back. But Dad worked on a um, TV show in the 90s. We lived in Sydney for a little bit and um, worked on a TV show called The Miraculous Melops, which uh, Max Pips was uh, a, a part of. And then, yeah, I met him on set one day. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sort of came to this, you know, like I knew vaguely what, you know, like I know what the world is about and, um, and you know, obviously seeing Fury Road, it's, you know, similar. Um, but... Um, yeah, I really love this. Like it was, you know, it's because it's, it's just a simple movie. There's not there's not a lot mm. to it. Um, it's you know dot 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 off you go, but I, there was like humor in it, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> the, the two mechanics, the two mechanics, they were yeah. amazing. Um, or the uh, the Benny Hill esque, um, you know, Speeding the tent, <laughs> the tent coming uh, coming off, and the two people, you know, yeah. going at it in the tent, and I was just like, woo! <laughs> it's so good, and the and the moments with the dog as well, yeah. Um, uh, like when they're driving along, and he's caught Bruce Spence, and the dog is sitting there with the like the the the, the, the gun, um, like shotgun he's holding the shotgun, and and then he sees funny. the rabbit, and he's like, oh no! <laughs> like yeah. I really like that. That was you know that was cool. Um, but, um, I also quite liked how it goes from like square kind of four by three at the start in, and, yeah. and into the, you know, yeah. the big widescreen. Um, I was really worried about like, I thought my copy of the, you know, um, my copy of the DVD, uh, it was, there was something <laughs> wrong with it. Yeah. Um, uh, I rented it off of iTunes, like yeah. a good boy. Yeah. Well, there's, and it's kind of cool. That's in, so that intro is in mono as well. So if you've got a good little home theater, you would have gone, fuck, that copy sounds yeah. shit. Just and imagine then it had a good, good home theater. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that first, that first square, just where it's explaining the backstory and the mm. post-apocalyptic, whole, that whole thing. That, uh, and then the moment it kicks in to the car, just, yeah. and it goes full widescreen, it kicks into Dolby stereo. And that's actually the first Australian film to be, recorded in Dolby Stereo as well. Huh. But yeah, it's the sound in it is phenomenal. Sound yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Yep. Do you know who shot it? Uh cinematographer Dean Semler. Yeah. Okay. Dean Semler's uh he worked with Mel Gibson on a few things, probably well known for Apocalypto. Mm. Um which is just like visually stunning. Yeah. That is really uh, cool. Problematic movie, but it does look <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but this movie looks fantastic. Yeah. I was kind of thinking stuff. about it. I mean, I, I probably don't have the language for it or, or the experience or whatever, but it, I imagine that there's a, it requires a lot of talent to shoot something when it's that bright all the time. Yeah, you know definitely. I mean? yep. To mm. kind of have it have dimension and look good because, mm. you know, that much sunlight in the outback would just like wash everything out, you know what I mean? Definitely. And it looked so great and so textural. Like I've got a note um, early on, I think, when they're looking over the the uh, him and Bruce Spence, is yeah. it? Looking over at the compound, mm. um, like sort of wrecking it. I just wrote down, this is some real Lawrence of Arabia yeah. shit. Yeah. Purple, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like the purple hills and purple yeah, style. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. And just the, the you know, Lord Humongous's... Uh, Circling around. Yeah, it's all in focus as well. They're in focus. And the, yes. the, the compound's in focus. That's, and, that's a good point. Like, it it, it it's it's it has a, it doesn't have any depth of... Yeah. Or, it has a lot of depth of, like, it has very yeah, yeah, wide yeah. depth of field. It's like Kubrick in that way. Yeah, you know totally. I mean? like, yeah. That's all down to old mate Dean Semler. Yeah. Mm. But he, yeah, he also did uh, Dances with Wolves, which is another visually oh, stunning yeah, yeah. film. I definitely noted that the, yeah, parts of it look so amazing. Also, the bit um, kind of just before Act 3 kicks in and the final, you know, chase uh, that, um, nighttime sequence where people are like strung up and everybody's in silhouette yeah, and, it, yeah. and it does all these crazy long cross dissolves and stuff it's just kind That's of this cool. montage it looks amazing yeah. and and for a movie that um you know it's sort of very much a exploitation movie not a huge budget and it doesn't i thought there was going to be more Janky looking things in this movie, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, like sort of coming up, coming to it. I, like, I just, there, I mean, there's a, there's a few moments of you know sped up camera and stuff like that. But, um, but that yeah. sticks out like dogs' balls. Yeah, it? yeah. Totally. It's pretty um, funny. They just couldn't move the cars any faster yeah. on the yeah. road. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I just and um, another shot that uh, I love is um, when uh, Bruce Bent Spencer's bringing the injured Max back and it's just that mm. shot down on yeah. his face and it's going across yeah. the the, um, the, the scenery. And, and, and then they like, go over the compound. They go over the, the bad guys and then over the compound. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, that's cool. And the 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 uh, sort of another hark back to Akira, um, what's his name, Kurosawa there, uh, but he's uh, just the lack of dialogue in this yeah. film yeah. as well. So Max had 16 lines of dialogue in this whole film. And yeah. two of them were just uh, only came for the gas, but it's literally like I think that um, in a in an interview with the New York Times, um, old mate George Miller said that Hitchcock had this wonderful saying: "I try to make films where they don't have to read uh, they don't have to read the subtitles in Japan," and that was what I tried to do with Mad Max One, and I'm still trying to do that three decades later with Fury Road. So it's just. Yeah, you know, it's script well, out the he window. wanted to dialogue out the window because uh, he wanted to release, uh, and maybe it's on the the DVD version, but you can have it like a silent. Oh, okay. like, That's so funny. I didn't know any of this shit, and I and I literally have the note. This is a silent movie. Yeah. It's essentially, yeah. a, but, yeah. but but I with and, the soundtrack. And, but yeah, 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 and 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 I meant like not not just in its lack of dialogue, just kind mm. of the the like uh, God, I'm not an expert on silent film by any means, but just some of the way people were moving in frame and stuff like that just mm. felt very redolent of silent movies. And George Miller actually edited this in complete silence as well. He just turned the soundtrack off so he could just focus on the visual. 
stuff. Yeah, that's which wild. Is pretty, pretty I actually wild. watched it in silence, um, except for um, I hired a guy to come in and play the piano just in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. That's, that's so hard. Yeah. Like, because in, in my limited experience editing things, it's so hard to edit without sound. And I also, God, I fucking find a way to um, mention Woody Allen all the goddamn time when I shouldn't. But um, there's a book, uh, Woody Allen and Woody Allen, or whatever. He just he kind of talks through all of his films. He's not huge on interviews, so it's pretty amazing. It kind of goes up to like maybe around crimes and misdemeanors or something, mm. which is all to say that um, uh, he talks about editing Bananas, which I think was the first film that he mm. kind of really had a hand in editing. And he thought the whole thing was just, oh, I have cooked this whole thing. Like, <laughs> this looks so fucked. Um and then somebody, I can't remember who, just said, like, no, just put some temp music behind it. And hmm. he could see it working all of a sudden because yeah, there yeah. was temp music on it. Huh. Um, it's so hard to edit without, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Putting it so, in context. And speaking of the music, is it is it Brian May of Queen? No, that's no. right. Okay, that's what I right. immediately. And then <laughs> I was like, geez, it's $2 million budget. They get Brian May. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was, I, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I, I yeah. It's Aussie, old Aussie Brian May, who's just like a, yeah, he's a composer. That, yeah, the other thing with the music, the music kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, it's kind of got a, a bit of an old-fashioned Excalibur, kind of like an old medieval vibe yeah. to some of it as well. But. but it's kind of, it's not so much, I mean, how it sounds is kind of perfectly fine, but I don't know, did you notice there's scenes where it's kind of not action-packed or whatever, it's just people like looking around, talking or whatever, and the score yeah. is going oh, a yeah, million yeah. fucking yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know sure. what I mean? And it, uh, yeah, that doesn't. Uh, I think that throws it off a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of bad things, what do we all think of the uh, acting in this movie? Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think. Me- yeah, I don't think Mel's the greatest in this. No, uh, no, but it's and it's probably best that they don't give him too much dialogue. There's actually, yeah. I think his first few lines, he just sounds American. Like he's got this real, and then he kind of, he goes back to Australian. But there's, I noticed the first couple of lines in this, he doesn't have many anyway, but I like, he's got this full on Yankee thing yeah. going on, which isn't, he's obviously, he was shipped over there for a bit, did a couple of films and then came back and yeah, yeah. but it's, it's not, it's definitely it's not, hammed up. Yeah, you know. yeah, but I mean, yeah, it, but that's but I think that's Vernon kind of, Wells is great. Yeah, yeah. some of the Aussies, the Aussie support cast are just amazing. Like yeah. all those, the henchmen and the the costumes, and that kind of makes up for some of the the acting because you're looking at it as just this visual spectacle. Yeah, yeah. The thing that occurred to me vis a vis Mel is that affectless, uh, no emotion kind of that mm. kind of performing is actually really hard. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, like, I was thinking that. Like, like even though it's kind of, like, contrast it with Fury Road, right? Or Tom even, Hardy, even, yeah. Yeah, like, like, even though it's kind of the only thing that Tom Hardy does, yeah. he does it really well. And I think it's tough just to pull that off, not saying anything, to be a compelling kind of brooding monosyllabic like without prefer- speaking. presence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is um harder to think. Yeah. Uh, harder to do than you think. But yeah, Tom. People got stuck into Tom Hardy for Fu- in Fury Road as well for not having enough lines and for not sort of acting, doing like not doing enough action man stuff. But it wasn't really about yeah. That. And, well, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a Mad Max movie. George Miller is a movie. Well, George Miller since since this <laughs> <laughs> there, but since this um, 
I think, I think since the third one, um, George Miller became this, he's a, like a full on feminist as well. Yeah. And he, that's hence why Mad Max, the actual character of, of Max Rokotansky in the, in Fury Road is just secondary to Furiosa. Like he, the Furiosa is essentially Mad Max from the, this second film mm. because, you know, she's the one driving the truck. She's the one with the, the dicky knee, the, the prosthetic arm and the hobbling around and getting beaten and bashed and, and old course, mate Mad Max yeah. is the one that's strapped to the front of the, the car. and Yeah, and, and there were a bunch of, like, garbage people who complained about that, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, of course there is. Totally. Because the world is full of garbage people. Along that acting, like, uh, Bruce Spencer's character, who is called the gyro captain, mm-hmm. um, I never, he's, his character's kind of all over the shop in the sense that the start is, you know, like, I'm a bit, sort of, you know, like, oh, you know, he's a bit of a shyster. Mm. And then he, but then he goes to the compound and immediately becomes a real creeper. And then (laughs) like real creeper, like I'm going to steal this girl immediately and run away. And then kind of vacillates between the two. And Mm. I can never see where, like there were some moments where he was like, oh, I'm going to help you and we're we're good partners. And then he's just like, come on, underage girl, let's go. Maybe he's just completely cooked from being in the wasteland for that Probably, probably. But But yeah, I can just never really. He's the spirit of outback horniness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was my nickname in high school. (laughs) Um, But the, when he's flying over the compound and they're, they're basically, they've fought off the, the bad guys that are coming in. Um, he just flies over the top and they, and lands in the compound. Mm. Why the fuck didn't they attack him and think he was one of the bad guys? Like Mm. why just, nobody has discussed this before that point that he is. And it was also like, you know, Max was still, I think, chained up. Yeah. You know, so. And wasn't there a scene where he, um, like a deleted scene where he, uh, (laughs) where he blows up the dog? Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) He blows up the dog, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. It's the. Bruce Spence Blue Healer explosion. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, so, arseless mm-hmm. chaps. Mm. Um, yeah, that got really, after a while, um, you know, like sort of into the, you know, as soon as you first see um, uh, uh, Humongous um, and when he stands, like you sort of see he's wearing sort of like the the, the He-Man kind of, and then he stands up and he's just in in the jockeys. I'm like, wow. It's cool as shit. But then, then, um, uh, yeah, with uh, Vernon Wells' character and when he's sort of like flipping and jumping everywhere and all and every so often the, the flaps would just pop up and you're like oh mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was great i just love that um where, where, where do you th- how, do you do you have any idea of how george miller arrived at this aesthetic you know what i mean yeah, like i don't know yeah because it's so distinct mm. i mean i guess there's progenitors in what like things like you know heavy metal and mm. stuff like that the comics it just seems so singular. Like, like, what do you know? Like, what is it about George Miller that kind of spewed out this kind of vision that that he is? Because you know, if 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 the Mad Max films teach us anything, is is that what's in his head? He's never really put on screen. You know what I mean? Because each time it gets more and more and more elaborate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As budgets and technology are able to yeah. keep up with his imagination. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And don't it's weird because he's, he's most famous for being a 
kids' film director, yeah, really, yeah. right? Go, I mean, zigging and zagging from this to Happy Feet to Babe, back to Oh Babe and Bald Babe Two, right? Mm. He didn't do the first yeah. Babe, did he? Yeah, did yeah. he do the first Babe? Oh. I thought he just did hey, Big, Babe. I thought he did hey, babe. Piggy in the City. <laughs> no, I'm fairly sure he did both. Oh, yeah, shit. I, he definitely did Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. yeah, I thought he just did the second one because that's that's pretty dark as well. That's got some moments mm. of I don't know people wanting to chop the little piggy up and all this sort of stuff. That'll but um, the yeah. Happy Feet, and then Fury Road, and then he's definitely got a bit of a. He's got two. He's he got two ends of the do, spectrum. He was supposed to do um, Justice League as well. Was he? He was in talks for in, in the nineties. Hmm. That's kind of when uh, old mate Nick Cage was very keen to be Superman. Oh, yeah. He was going to do and Superman Begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he. he well, yeah. Those, the, those, Burton, the, the Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Have you seen the yeah, footage? I have. Of, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, um, he's got the, the LED or the neon stuff yeah, yeah, going yeah, all yeah. through his costume and stuff. What what we're that talking about is there's, there's um, Tim Burton uh, had an abortive attempt to make a Superman film starring Nick Cage. And there's this amazing... Um, test footage. Yeah, like costume test footage where Nick Cage is in this uh, kind of... Um, yeah, this Superman suit. It's like a wetsuit l- that's clear and filled with LEDs. LEDs. Kind of, or, or like fiber optic cables mm, or something yeah. like that. I think, and Kevin Smith Kevin wrote Smith it. Kevin Smith wrote it, yeah. And there's a really good doco out there. It might be on Netflix that is that it basically goes through. I think it's just called Superman Begins or Superman uh. Returns or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's it was meant to be directed Tim Burton, written by Kevin Smith, and produced by this batshit crazy Hollywood producer. I can't remember his name, but... He basically used to bully people into making films with him, uh, acting in film, like being in his films. He And he's a crazy guy that every single script that he came across and directed that he worked with, he said, you can work on this if you put a giant spider in it as the, uh, as the, the, the sort of the end boss in the film. You have to put a giant spider in it. And everyone what? just kept turning him. In that Superman film, there was meant to be a giant spider that was in the script as well. He finally got his way in Wild Wild West with uh, Will Smith and put no this giant way. fucking giant mechanical, mechanical spider. like uh, steampunk spider thing. And this the guy guy's, just loves spiders. He's like a karate, black belt karate dude who just would just bully people into making films with him and he's just batshit crazy. Huh. <laughs> Watch that doco. It's really, really, it's hilarious. Um, and I think I, I think Old Mate as well, uh, I remember ages and ages and ages ago was trying to get a Wonder Woman film off the ground. Okay. Starring Megan Gale. Oh. As ah, who yes. turned up in Diana Red. Of, yeah, um, yeah right. but uh, it's kind of a crossover from what we were discussing in our uh, Batman Returns episode. In that, uh, I I mean I prefer George Miller's films in general, but um, uh, to your point, Kane, that the it's almost like they're a couple of directors where the more budget that they get serves the film mm. which doesn't happen in a lot of mm. situations yeah um where you know like batman returns got more budget and well mm. it's arguably a better movie and and like with fury road he had 150 million dollars to play with and he still like needed more money and mm. you know to turn it into his vision yeah exactly um, like like instead of like some other directors it's almost like they're just letting either you know, they're letting ILM fill in the gaps in their 
imagination. Yeah, you know, you know yeah, what I mean? totally. Yeah. It's it's like it. You feel like George Miller's psyche it's is a, it's a singular is, is filling in yeah. the, the additional budget. You know what I mean? You Not can tell, anybody like, else. Any, when a project has a singular vision, it's coming from that one place. It's yeah. just you can you can tell it comes through and through. But it doesn't always work. No, it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I, it's what are they going to do with these new ones? Or, or if they, I assume mm. they're making new. It's nice that they haven't just like pooped them out. Well, they can, no, they're stuck in because um, oh, George Miller right. they, is. He reckons the, that they owe him them. some more money, and so it's stuck in uh, uh, financial litigation, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. So, because they, yeah, I think it was due. The, the, the next one was due, I think, this year, um, but mm. that's it hasn't even gone into production. So that's that's uh, you know that's not going to happen. But um, backtracking yeah. to George mm. Miller just a little bit, mm. so I, this is such a like on its face plain thing to say, dumb thing to say almost, but it's. It's so hard to be imaginative, you know what I mean? And George Miller is so fucking imaginative. Yeah, like, yeah. like it is so hard to sit down and have an original idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even though there's obviously a lot of progenitors, like maybe heavy metal, like uh, a lot of Corman movies, Death Race 2000, you know, all that Plus, kind of shit. But, and, and again, the Westerns and the Yeah, Cruzals yeah. Like, and, like yeah. even though he's synthesizing a lot of stuff, like it's not like there's, it's not like it's, not standing on the shoulders of something, it's just so goddamn original, you know. Yeah. What I mean? And also, kind of the way Australianness is kind of woven into it. Well, yeah, that's a good segue. And the the only my arguably my favorite character in this whole thing, which I really uh, felt akin to as a child, is the feral kid. Yep. Who mm. with the with the the golden the silver boomerang, which is <laughs> yep. just so cool. Which I had this brainwave. Clear. I've got a little two and a half year old. Her Halloween costume this year it has kid. to be that little feral kid <laughs> with the silver boomerang. Did did did, awesome. did that kid grow up to be like a no, Australian actor? No, the no. only he he did he was in a country practice, uh-huh. um, a few other little things, and now he is a uh, he runs a jewelry shop in um, in Sydney in the Rocks. Uh-uh. <laughs> no shit. I wonder if he's got his little silver boomerang on the wall behind there. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, funny. Yeah. I mean, I I. Generally speaking, don't like Australian shit. You know what I mean? Makes me cringe. I know that that's a cliche, but I could really take and enjoy the Australianness of of this. You know what I mean? And I think it's because it's not self conscious. It's not apologizing for being Australian, and it's also um, using that Australianness in service of something. You mm. know what I mean? It's not. It's not apologizing, and it's also like integrating it into sort of the fabric of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also just using the landscape as yeah. it is and, yeah. and how beautiful it is and how desolate it is. And yeah. Like I was, I was driving, I live a bit out of town, and I was driving to the train station this morning and there's some open desolate bits and I was like, oh, it's a white light nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's In awesome. my Honda Civic. Yeah. And we'll be back once we have a little word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Books on Typewriters on Tape. Why settle for having the world's great works of literature read to you when you can have them typed at you? Books on Typewriters on Tape has over 200,000 titles recorded on a variety of vintage typewriters for you to enjoy. The cutting social satire of Charles Dickens' Nickelness Nickleby has never sounded as good as it does on an Underwood champion. Ha! 
Harry Potter's wizarding adventures will thrill you almost as much as the magisterial clack of an Olivetti Studio 44. Perhaps you have a taste for erotica. If so, your fingers will be manipulating your nethers quicker than the fingers clacking out this steamy passage from Fifty Shades of Grey on a Smith Corona Sterling. And who can hold back tears hearing the heart-rending conclusion of Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men as told by an Olympia SM9. Deja Review listeners can enjoy a complimentary book on typewriter on tape when they use coupon code DEJA at BOTOT.com. That's B-O-T-O-T dot com. Books on typewriters on tape. We have a feeling they're going to be just your type. And we're back. Mm, And that's, um, look, you know, got to... We've got to be thankful for the sponsors that we get, I guess. Is, the... is that as good as it gets for all of our sponsors, do you um, think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we're not quite at sort of the numbers that, you know, a Casper mattress or sort of, you know, somebody needs. Yep. So yeah. I guess, you know. A blue apron. Yeah. A bit of a brown apron at the moment. <laughs> 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 um, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. Pretty soon we're pretty soon we're pretty gonna soon? <laughs> pretty soon we're gonna be pulling in them bonobos box. <laughs> mm. Um so uh I think because uh, Kane and I are you know we need to learn some more things uh, Do you about need to this. know some like I don't know like some some facts about it you reckon Is that a fact? That a fact. Is that a fact? Is that a fact? That a fact. Yeah, it's a fact. All right, so uh Seb has three. Have you got three this time? You sometimes well, throw in a fourth. I've got so many facts okay. about this film, but I'm only going to give you three. I mean, I can give you more if you want, but no, no. you look like three is all you can handle. Pretty moment. much. So, um, I'm going to throw this out to both of you as well, because both of you hadn't seen this film. So I want to hear both of your responses. Um, okay. And you can split the earnings, hmm. which is an even seven ninety five. Perhaps, perhaps. So we're, we're going to give one singular answer. No, I think what we should do is I'll... You know, uh, once we're ready to give our answer, one of us will, you know, close well, their eyes and both... we'll give in, se- in, in secret. And yeah. then, uh, yeah. Silent ballot, huh? Yeah. All right. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's do it. Fact number one. Mel Gibson called Vernon Wells' barometer bum throughout uh, the shooting mm-hmm. because of the arseless chaps. Okay. When Wells' butt cheeks went purple on set, they'd send everyone into the bus to warm up. Okay. Fact number two. This is because counterintuitively the desert gets cold at night. Is that what you're saying? Oh, wow. Well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm just firing hey, the facts. Hey, I'm the meteorologist. <laughs> He's the fact man. Fact number two. George Miller told all stuntmen not to eat 12 hours before takes. 
in case they needed surgery and hurt themselves. Mm. Okay. Okay. One one question about that one. Who's George Miller? <laughs> <laughs> it's Miller time. Hey. It's Miller time, baby. Fact number three. The first cut of the film was extremely bloody and violent and was cut down by Australian censors. It featured a scene where one of the bikers is urinating off the side of the trench and the feral kid chops off his penis with his boomerang, but they cut it. Mm. Okay. Do you want to recap any of those? No, 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 I... We got barometer bum. We got barometer bum. We got uh, not eating on a Not eating, 12 hours. Surgery. Um, And we got the weenus cut off. And we got the weenus cut off. Mm. I know what my answer is. Mm. Yeah, me too. Okay. What would be, Kane, what is your answer? Uh, barometer bomb. I'm going to say number two. Your toilet's just downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two. What was number two again? That was the, the stuntman. stuntman. Yep. I get to keep all of my money because both you fuckers are wrong. Uh, Completely wrong. Uh. I just made up that shit about a dick getting cut off. I just wanted to. Well, no. Well, the thing is because I know it was cut down by Australian <laughs> spot <laughs> censors. Yeah. So it uh, was. It was. Okay. It was. There's no scene yeah, where the so kid cut off a penis. Yeah, so that's partial credit. Well, okay. Because you, you get a dollar fifty. A, yeah, you get a dollar fifty. The film was, was censored, cut, but yeah. I get it was the cut scene. Okay, it was the yeah, cut right. scene. <laughs> I definitely detected that it might have been cut down. You remember towards the beginning when, um, sort of the corpse falls out of the first time. The most bodily eyed corpse in the yeah, world. Yeah, like like, and that's only on screen for a couple of frames. <laughs> and, and and I'm like, no, I was they, tempted to pause it. Yeah, I I thought they didn't spend that much time and money making that model for it to no. only be on screen for two frames. No, definitely. You know I mean? They definitely, they did edit this film down and yeah. it was it was cut down for Australian audiences and American audiences alike. But there was no scene where um, any henchman got his penis cut off by a small child. That I mean, that, that wouldn't be out wouldn't of place put, in a film like this. It. Yeah, um, no, right. then that in, surprise me. In actual fact, it was freezing yeah, throughout this whole, the whole shoot. The, yeah, it was absolutely freezing. Right. Even, um, especially old Lord Humongous, he copped the most of it because he's just in Speedos the whole shoot. <laughs> yeah. Speedos and a hockey mask. That's why he was so um, pink. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and they regularly had to get back onto the bus to warm up, especially their, their tight little tight little butt chaps. Whenever they went purple, they'd go, all right, it must be really cold out. Um, let's get your, your little hiney back in the bus. Up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and in fact, um, George Miller being a doctor, uh, physician did say to all uh, the stuntmen, um, donate yeah. before this cause it's really fucking dangerous. Um, a number of stuntmen were severely injured on the shoot of this in case we need to rush you to hospital, donate 12 hours beforehand, um, for surgery reasons. And there were quite a few mishaps in the, in the stunt department on this as well. One guy completely crushing his fucking leg in a stunt that went horribly wrong and he cartwheels through the air. And uh, he, just, he was... Not was yeah. And it's on screen. Um, you oh, see the whole it, thing. It, it was, uh, He's actually just, cartwheeling. Uh, yeah, and so he was on a motorbike. Flat. Yeah, like, like he totally. Was, just so full you, extension. If you look at that around. carefully, his leg is like off to the side. He completely oh, fucked his leg. So Fuck he was meant me. to... He clipped a car. He was meant to go off a jump on his motorbike. He went off the jump and then his leg clipped a car at probably 100 miles an hour oh. and 
it just sent him into a spin. <laughs> and there's I watched a doco on the um, the stunts in this recently, and there's there's a guy saying we've got the height of sophistication of uh, of all the stunt um, stunt people here. You know, we've got um, we've got a rig set up over here um, at least like two hundred cardboard boxes, which are like <laughs> that is that is what you want your people to fall on basically. And he's just selling this as um like sophisticated setup. It looks so DIY. Um, but you got those big ones <laughs> that you get when you're moving house. Yeah. If you really, go down uh, to Bunnings, yeah. um, you know, they've got a fucking shitload of boxes down there. <laughs> Just like help yourself. See how we cut down on budget. <laughs> <laughs> go to Woolies. Yeah. <laughs> they're throwing them away. Fucking giving them away. They're everywhere. <laughs> um, all right. So have we got any uh, sort of uh, last points and sort of general feelings? Well, to you, Mike, did you did you enjoy the film? Did you I really like enjoyed it? Film? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the, uh, I just like the simplicity of it and, you know, pops along in 90 minutes. Some of the uh, – and, again, I'm just sort of uh, – I'm always in awe of people who can uh, make – just really stretch – a small amount of money and Mm. to make it look good. And, you know, as I said, there's a few, um, you know, shonky looking things, but not, not nearly as many shonky looking things as I thought there was going to be. And like the fact that when they blow up that compound, they blew that compound up. Like that is a massive explosion. Mm. They canceled, Um, like they canceled flights all over that, all around that area, airspace, and they shut the mines down in the area as well because the shockwaves were so big in the surrounding. That was a big fucking explosion. Yeah. It's sort of good because, um, I think it was recently a spectre. Um, at the end of that, where that compound blows mm. up, they actually blow it up, and that got the record for like hmm. biggest on-screen explosion ever. Um, hmm. But just that, yeah, and it keeps going. Like it's a, yeah. you know, you, they would have got so much coverage. They would have used every single camera Definitely. and every single angle on blowing that up. But no yeah, no, I, I and um, uh, you know, as it, uh, you know, acting's pretty, you know, but that's kind of not really the yeah. point um i was sad when the dog got shot um because yeah. i like bluey um, when all the people died but when no. a dog when a dog gets it no, you really absolutely. you feel it mm. um i loved uh, uh old mate's gimp boy copping the uh um boomerang in the head that was hilarious <laughs> yeah. and then the guy trying to catch it that was a classic <laughs> yeah, what uh, i wrote it in my in my notes as uh Blondie getting sconed by a boomer. <laughs> Blondie got sconed. Blondie got sconed. Um, and um, and actually, you know, I, I, um, I didn't see the fake out at all. You know, coming as well. Like, oh the, yeah, that full of the, 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 the truck full of yeah, truck, no, the truck neither, being full of sand. I, I thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, no, I I, I just uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and it, yeah, it was just there were just things that I wasn't expecting in it, and mm. um, yeah, like some of the humor and um, and I and again, I just love the fact that it's you know George Miller said that he had a really didn't have an enjoyable time making the first Mad Max and he just kind of, this was his kind of reset, you know, almost. Yeah. And he was given the ability and more budget to really expand his vision. And he totally did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah. So yeah. I, what did you think, Kane? Um, I mean, it's not a good movie. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I got, I, I mean, I just got to thinking like, what is the metric by which we just generally culturally measure a good uh, movie? It's like, is it a good, um, story well told 
which it's not. Like, it's not a good story necessarily. It's just, it's a whisper of a thing that's just, you know, meant to just hold together, particularly the last chase, which is stunning. It's like so imaginative and crazy. And I mean, still exciting to this day. And I imagine nothing has ever at that point had not nothing had ever looked like that mm. on screen before. That's that's a good point. I was thinking, um, uh, especially my brother-in-law, who's very big into cars and he's a bit older, like just imagine him, I'm going to have to ask him, like, what did you think when you first yeah, saw that yeah. on the screen? Like that yeah. would have just blown his mind. Yeah. And so I just kind of got to thinking, it's like, it's it's not a good movie by those kind of metrics, but it's like, why is why is story so fucking important? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why 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 do we play story above uh, in front of everything else? Because yeah. in most other regards, it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so I guess in that sense, it's like, I think it's great art in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Because it just looks so singular. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And also kind of thought like another way to kind of that I looked at it as well as it's not a good movie by whatever kind of like vague cultural consensus we place around the idea of what a good movie is. But it is kind of like the apotheosis of um, like say, a you know, Roger Corman, like a. Uh, just a, a B movie, you know what I mean? It's 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 apotheosis. It is elevating that kind of a yeah. movie mm-hmm. to into something that approaches the sublime almost. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, there is so much to say about it. I mean, I don't know. I was faintly bored in in parts, though. You know what I mean? Which is which is weird to say about a movie that's a hundred minutes long and. Features such crazy mm. shit. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm really glad I saw it. Um, I enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. Did yeah. you? Is there? Any, was there anything on? You know, you, you probably watch this relatively regularly. I yeah, imagine, I do. But... I mean, it's in my stable of of regularly watched films. It's a bit of a go to late night kind of thing. Um, I, but th- watching it with these eyes for the podcast, mm. it was. It, it is. I just. I love that world. It's. It's. Um, the the story is all sort of that meaty story bit is is basically in that little four three square in the first one minute the mm. black and white bit is basically just setting it up that's the that's the big picture stuff and then this is just a small chunk of that story that yeah. takes place over a couple it's of like, days it's which, like is, a which little is cool vignette. it is yeah, a little vignette. Yeah, yeah. vignette of this of, of it this is. larger world yeah and yeah. it's um and that little that little black and white square was only added on for the for the American guys that that wanted to that didn't really know the the world of Mad Max before they tried to market it uh, they tried to take Mad Max to the states um before this Mad Max 2 the, the states original, <laughs> the, in America that, the, no, the original film Mad Max 2 colon the states <laughs> that's exactly what okay. it was called they uh tried to take it to the states and they didn't think Australia uh, American audiences would understand the Australian accent so they redubbed the whole film in American which was a terrible idea. Nobody, nobody bought it, and then hence why um, they had to retitle the film for American audiences, "The Road Warrior," and pretend that they were wiping the slate clean. Um, right. And yeah, in Australia, it was called Mad Max Two. Does is is the uh, was the version with the um, was was the dub version released? Uh, in the states, it was yeah 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 that was a theatrical is release. It, can you get your hands on it? Probably. Mm. Yeah, it'd be sure. I did get the sense that pretty much all the dialogue was ADR, though, because some uh, of the a, there, yeah, like a lot of it would have been, cause especially because they're just 
out in the desert so much, yeah. you know. Um, Some of the syncing up looks a little shonky <laughs> to me. Yeah. But. Um, well, I guess that's a that's a, a wrap on uh, Mad Max 2. Um, yeah. It still retains the greatest action film of all time. Yeah. Thanks, as always, to Jeremy Wattsman of Jackie Winter Group for providing the recording space. Uh, be sure to check out their podcast, Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Deja underscore review. We're at Deja Review Podcast on Instagram. And you can email us at hello at Deja Review Podcast.com. Um, we got a few more uh, star reviews, but no written reviews. Uh, and uh, come on, guys. Bunch of jackanapes. Come on. Just get, <laughs> get on those get, written reviews. If you reviews. give a written review, what do you get? You got. I, I write a dirty limerick for you. Yeah, so about uh, you, and uh, yeah, just let me know. See, how, I jump at the chance. Just let me know how humiliated you want to be as well. Mm, what level? <laughs> yeah, the scale to very from very to yeah. extremely. Yeah. Um, so unless you want us to, I don't know, like become a true crime podcast or something like that, <laughs> then uh, then uh, you know, just um, give us a few reviews. Um, uh, I have been Mike Cairns over there on Twitter at Kane Daniel is Kane Porkchop Daniel. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs> and old mate C. C. Bash Godfrey. Lord Humongous out. <laughs> Lord Humongous. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>